section fourteen of the romance of the romanoffs this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the romance of the romanoffs by joseph martin mccabe chapter eleven catherine the great Walazuski a vivid historical writer who has covered nearly the whole period of the dynasty calls the empress elizabeth the last of the romanoffs if every rumor of those gossipy days were admitted few genealogical trees of the russian aristocracy would hold good there have not been wanting historians who have claimed that catherine the great was a natural daughter of frederick the great and a grave writer has said of catherine's son paul that the only ground for regarding him as the son of peter three is his resemblance to that monarch we may assume that peter who now peacefully ascended the throne and continued the dynasty was the grandson of peter the great the son of his daughter anne it is however true that the moral physiognomy of the romanoffs changes with peter three and it is not clear how a german father and a few years of early life in germany could so thoroughly teutonize his blood we must of course not forget that most of what we read about him was written by his wife or by other enemies mr bain refuses to believe that he was brutal to catherine as she says at his accession he paid her heavy debts and settled upon her the large domains of the late empress his unfaithfulness to her was at least balanced by her own vagaries she a german took the throne from him and she was bound to make a dark case against him in order to justify her usurpation they were at all events as ill-assorted a pair as ever mounted a throne and every informed person in europe wondered what would be the issue and was prepared for another revolution we have seen a little about their earlier years elizabeth drew them in their childhood from germany changed their religion and appointed tutors to prepare them for the throne catherine prepared very diligently but peter went in a precisely opposite direction while catherine steeped herself in the russian spirit he remained german looked with contempt upon russian ways and surrounded himself with foreigners he had the vices without the good qualities of the romanoffs he drank heavily was boorish to those about him and lived loosely catherine tells a story which is a cameo of life at the court if so sordid a sketch may be compared with a work of art empress elizabeth's private room in which the little suppers of the later part of her reign were held was separated only by a door from one of peter's rooms the noise he heard in it at nights piqued him and he bored holes in the door and found elizabeth lightly dressed carousing with her lover and a few intimate courtiers he called catherine who she says refused to peep and then he called a bunch of ladies of their court to come and enjoy the spectacle catherine pictures him keeping dogs in their bedroom and coming to bed very drunk in the early morning to kick and pummel her there can be little doubt that the young prince was coarse violent and drunken and catherine hated his insipid pock-marked face and boorish ways long before the death of elizabeth she took a lover sergius saltikoff a handsome young fellow of peter's suite best yusef sent sergius on a mission abroad but his place was soon taken by a handsome young pole count poniatowski in the meantime catherine had given birth to her son paul and the genuineness of the claim of the later czars to be considered romanoff's hangs upon the very slender thread of catherine's morals saltikoff was at the time generally regarded as the father 
the boy however grew up to resemble peter morally and physically so closely that historians now generally consider him a son of peter it looks as if catherine to save her position with elizabeth who pressed for an heir reluctantly consented to provide one legend has it that the court deliberately instructed her to have a child by her lover if she could not be reconciled to her husband catherine tells us that when the child was born elizabeth sent her a present of fifty thousand dollars and that peter got the draft cancelled it is sometimes said that poniatowski who is described as being put in catherine's way by political schemers was detected by peter and fled to escape a whipping the legend really runs that he was held up by peter's servants as he left the palace and brought before peter he was a youth of twenty-two of no courage and he expected a whipping but peter laughed at his fright peter's mistress at the time and until his death was elizabeth Voronsov niece of a great noble of the court a very plain and insignificant little woman whom catherine disdained to notice the prince felt that he could now force catherine to be courteous to his mistress and it is said that he arranged suppers for the quartet the empress however heard of the liaison and pontieskovsky had to go catherine had a second child anna in seventeen fifty eight who is believed to be the daughter of the pole the court was by this time we saw thoroughly demoralized as all knew that the empress herself caroused at night and catherine cast aside all pretense of propriety at the time of the empress's death her lover was gregory orloff a very dashing young officer a young man of superb and colossal frame of features that fascinated women and of the time-honored habits of dissipation if we are to understand the character of catherine we must endeavor to regard these irregularities with her eyes it is sheer nonsense to seek to put her on a moral level with elizabeth or any other aristocratic russian dame who mingled amours with prayers and equally venerated monks and lovers catherine had not the least inner respect for the russian church or any branch of the christian church and its ideals for political reasons she conformed outwardly but it is difficult to find that she had more than a vague and not very serious deism she read and corresponded with the french philosophers and in her letters to them when she became her own mistress she ridiculed the mummeries of the priests i congratulate myself that i am not one of the imbeciles who believe in god is the extent of her profession of faith she did not respect the authority and ideals of the church and so she regarded herself as free these irregularities need not in themselves be considered inconsistent with her title of the great liberal writers expressed some surprise that her lovers were never more than handsome and sensual blockheads we shall see that orloff little intelligence as he had could work for her but that she probably never weighed she was a woman of high intelligence and self-confidence she chose ministers to do work and lovers only for enjoyment there is no psychological mystery in such an attitude when peter ascended the throne he surprised all by his policy of conciliation he issued an amnesty and from all the frozen recesses of the empire came the victims the sobered less talk old marshal munchen julia minden and her sister the birens and so on of the earlier revolutions then he set himself to conciliate his subjects peter the great had forced education and public service upon the reluctant nobles peter the little removed the compulsion flatteringly observing that it was no longer necessary peter the great had created a secret police which had ruled the aristocracy by terror and corruption 
peter three abolished it peter the great had put crushing taxes upon peasants and dissenters peter three relieved them and caring nothing about russian orthodoxy favored the industrious dissenters he abolished the corporal punishment of officers he confiscated the wealth of the clergy and the monks making them an annual allowance he bade the monks educate themselves and forbade them to take young novices but these reforms angered one very powerful class the clergy and the monks and peter went on to alienate the army he despised everything russian elizabeth had given him the palace built by menshikoff of iranian balm about twenty-seven miles from st petersburg and there he had established a few companies of holstein soldiers the nucleus or model of his future army he fancied himself a soldier and spent his time there as peter had spent his at preobrogenshout after his accession he announced that the army was to be germanized new uniforms were provided old regiments were threatened with extinction what was worse he made peace with frederick of prussia who might now have been utterly crushed and held up that monarch to russia as a model king and soldier to catherine he was at first as i said generous but serious rumours got about that he intended to send her into a convent and marry his Voronsov at a public and important banquet he said to have insulted her calling across the table that she was a fool in short he put together an admirable collection of combustible material and he was surprised when the flame of revolution burst forth how it was arranged is not very clear as catherine afterwards claimed the entire merit yet a dozen others claimed the merit and the reward as far as one can judge catherine was nervous and did little gregory orloff and his brothers had not so clear a vision of the possibilities in case of failure and they worked zealously catherine's little friend princess dashkoff a very romantic young lady who read voltaire and diderot and had great ideas claims that she did more than anybody she clearly helped to buy or convert supporters the french agents found money the soldiers were secretly canvassed and the growing discontent with the emperor was carefully nourished a statesman panin was more or less one some say at the cost of the virtue of princess dashkoff catherine herself had about this time april seventeen sixty two a third child who was quite acknowledged to be the son of orloff the last blunder of peter was that after making an ignominious peace with prussia he wanted to make war upon the danes for his little principality of holstein on june twenty fourth he went with elizabeth to Oranienbaum, and ordered catherine whom he refused to regard as a serious danger to the palace of peter hoff the emperor's name-day feast fell on july tenth and he sent word that he would spend it with catherine at peterhof he arrived there on july ninth to find that catherine had fled with one of the orloffs in the early morning and before many hours he learned that the capital was taking the oath of allegiance to her on the previous evening one of the chief conspirators captain pasek had been arrested and gregory orloff had been kept under observation by an agent carousing and playing cards with him all night princess dashkoff says that she ran about stirring the conspirators and saved the situation at all events alexis orloff rushed into catherine's bedroom at peterhof at five in the morning and urged her to come to st petersburg and begin the revolt at once they arrived at the barracks of the most reliable regiment at seven and roused the soldiers there was soon a copious supply of brandy and shouts of long live the empress catherine went to the winter palace 
and courtiers stumbled over each other in their eagerness to offer allegiance catherine maliciously says that princess dashkoff was one of the last to arrive the soldiers cast off their new german uniforms and begged to be led against those accursed holsteiners of peters and catherine she and the little snub-nosed dashkoff dressed as officers led twenty thousand men to oranienbaum peter had sent for his holstein guards and loudly protested that he would fight as the news from the capital trickled in however he changed his mind and took boat to kronstadt it is said that when the sentinel in the dark challenged him and was told that he was the emperor the man said go away there is no emperor he returned shaking with fear to oranienbaum and offered to share his throne with catherine she contemptuously refused that dangerous half-measure peter weeping like a child and begging that they would not separate him from elizabeth abdicated and was sent into the country about twenty miles away elizabeth von ronstoff was sent to moscow what precisely happened to peter three is one of the many dark mysteries of the romance of the romanovs five days later catherine coldly announced that the late emperor had died of a colic which had sent a fatal flow of blood to his brain there is a rumor that he was poisoned there is another rumor which is generally accepted that alexis orloff who conducted him to ropcha strangled him and there is no evidence whether catherine was or was not as is generally believed a party to the murder there were the usual sunny days for all who had assisted in the revolution in three months nearly half a million dollars in money and great gifts of land and serfs were showered upon the new court many of the courtiers however did not long enjoy favor in seventeen sixty three when catherine had gone to moscow for her coronation a certain fyodor hitrovo was arrested for treason for some time there had been rumors of plots to put ivan five the son of anne and anthony whom elizabeth had displaced back upon the throne peter three had brought the poor youth now almost an idiot to st petersburg and catherine had confined him in the fortress of schuzelenborg the latest rumor in the capital was that catherine was to wed orloff and that the jealous courtiers were determined to prevent her or to kill orloff whether there was a plot or no it is clear that the promotion of the orloffs had caused grave murmurs princess dashkoff panin captain pasek and other conspirators of seventeen sixty two were to their mighty indignation arrested on suspicion of treason they were released but their term of favor was from that moment clouded another of the blots on catherine's reign or one of those dark tragedies into which the historian cannot penetrate occurred in the following year the unfortunate prince ivan was killed in prison an officer of the garrison named mirovitch plotted to release him and it is said that his guardians who had orders to dispatch him in case of a dangerous effort to free him carried out that instruction mirovitch was executed but it was remarked that there was no inquiry and there was not the customary punishment of the relatives of the executed criminal it seems however absurd to suppose that mirovitch was hired to give the opportunity of killing ivan history again gives catherine a not very cheerful verdict of not proven these early threats or suspicions of revolt were attributed by catherine to the traditional discontent and ambition of courtiers who were ever ready to create a new throne for their own profit but she saw clearly enough the miserable condition of the country at large and she opened her reign with the determination to apply the remedy prescribed by the liberal and humane principles of her french teachers there must be education 
and in seventeen sixty four she issued an instruction to the authorities who were to take up that work her own ideas were necessarily vague and unscientific and she soon found herself confronted by the traditional difficulties a massive and general ignorance so dense that it did not want education a shortage of funds and a corrupt and listless body of officials a number of technical and normal schools in all about two hundred schools were founded and at st petersburg catherine established a large and admirable school for girls but her vague general scheme came to naught russia lingered on in the darkness of the middle ages the reform of law and justice was the next great need catherine eagerly devoured the writings of such reformers as montesquieu and beccaria and in seventeen sixty seven she issued an instruction which was so liberal that it was not permitted to appear in french it abounds in humane reflections which illustrate the soundness of her attitude as a ruler in her earlier years the laws must see that the serfs are not left to themselves in their old age and illness she said and the people are not created for us but we for the people she laid it down vaguely that the rich must not oppress the poor and every man must have food and clothing according to his condition there were even echoes of the new french words liberty and equality the torture of witnesses was described as a barbaric practice sentence of death must be imposed only in the case of political offenders little came of her large scheme of reform a legislative assembly drawn from all ranks of the people met in seventeen sixty seven to give definite shape to her ideals but its two hundred sittings ended in futile disagreement no one wished to better the condition of the serfs at the expense of the land owners and catherine partly undid with one hand what she did for them with the other the serfs of the ecclesiastical estates which she secularized were set on the way to freedom and catherine theoretically wanted to see the end of a virtual slavery which was inconsistent with her philosophy but she herself gave enormous estates with tens of thousands of serfs to her favorites and she knew that human beings who were transferred like cattle were treated like cattle in her reign the countess daria saltikoff had to be imprisoned for barbarously causing the death of a hundred and thirty-eight of her serfs they were still bought and sold as blacks were in america and their proprietors could for slight causes send them to siberia the great mass of the russian people lived in this state of degradation catherine's strong will nearly always failed before an internal problem of this kind the nobles triumphed and russia remained in darkness and chains in her later years when her early benevolent despotism had given place to a fierce hatred of democracy she persuaded herself that her people were better off than most of the peoples of europe she clung however to other parts of her program of reform few were knotted and no other torture was permitted in her reign and she boasted that she never signed a sentence of death men were nevertheless put to death as we shall see and it was commonly said that the secret police were merely replaced by her mysterious official tchaikovsky who suavely invited suspected folk to his house it was believed that the chair on which his visitor sat sank below the floor leaving only the man's face invisible to the servants in the room below who applied torture to his limbs while catherine pursued these and other designs of reform which we will consider later her prodigality toward her favorites caused much murmuring and to this grievance she added the costly burden of war it is clear that in her early years she trusted to remain at peace and had no thought of the enlargement of the country 
but the greed of frederick the great now turned upon the decaying kingdom of poland and to obtain his large share he had to invite the participation of russia in the plunder catherine we saw had hated frederick her husband's idol it is said that amongst her husband's papers she found a letter in which frederick spoke flatteringly of her and she began to turn to him she did at all events change her attitude and share with him in the historic crime which is known as the partition of poland she joined frederick in imposing upon the poles her old lover poniatowski and her armies went to the support of his rule against the rebellion which followed france and austria were now opposed to russia and prussia and france resorted to the familiar stratagem of inciting turkey to attack russia catherine whose energy was now fully roused spurred her generals to meet the turks they took the crimea and a large part of the slav dominions of the turk but austria now threatened to oppose the southward expansion of russia and suggested that compensation should be sought in poland the first partition took place in seventeen seventy one and catherine secured white russia with a population of one million six hundred thousand souls turkey in turn was forced to surrender the crimea pay a large indemnity and open the dardanelles to russian ships and the ottoman empire to russian trade but the burden of the war had fallen as usual upon the impoverished people and murmurs rumbled from one end of russia to the other the plague broke out at moscow and tens of thousands died the country seethed with discontent and it chanced that at that moment a figure appeared round which the discontent might crystallize a cossack named pugatchev claimed that he was the empress's husband peter three who was supposed to have been murdered at ropsha and his little troop quickly grew into a formidable and devastating army soldiers sent against him enlisted under his banner brigands barbarians and poles joined in his campaign of loot and slaughter an immense area of the country was captured or laid waste by him the revolt went on for four years when pugatchev was captured and beheaded from that date catherine's zeal for the people abated and it was with some recollection of this that she in a later year put an end for ever to the power and remaining independence of the cossacks the empress nevertheless continued her work of reform official and judicial corruption was as rife as ever and she retraced more practically the spheres of jurisdiction and separated the administrative from the judiciary officers like peter though unlike him in her extravagant liberality to favorites which increased the evil she hated and sternly prosecuted official corruption her scheme both of administration and of the dispensing of justice was a great reform embracing every class of her people if we take a liberal view of the little she did for the serfs she encouraged agriculture and industry made wise efforts to ensure the colonization of the fertile steppes of the south which she had acquired founded about two hundred new towns and secularized with just compensation the enormous property of the clergy and the monks she pressed the introduction of medical service in order to combat the appalling death-rate of the prolific people and boldly submitted to vaccination and imposed it upon her people her philanthropic institutions included a school for nearly five hundred girls and a large foundling hospital which during her reign received forty thousand children in reforming the terribly loose fiscal system she made notable improvements and raised the national revenue from ten to eighty million rubles but the increasing extravagance of her court made a mockery of her financial reforms in fine as it is well known 
she corresponded with voltaire and the other leading french thinkers and made strenuous efforts in her earlier years to arouse a corresponding culture in russia her letters to voltaire are now believed to have been written at least in part by alexis shuvalov and one cannot say nor would one expect that her genuine letters and other writings indicate any great literary skill though her constant humor and vivacious personality make them good reading she purchased the libraries of voltaire and diderot and made famous collections of works of art rather because it was the part of a great monarch to patronize art than from any personal taste to russian art and science apart from to some extent letters and history she gave no impulse and her own discoveries in the field of science were amiable nonsense however the great literary output which she stimulated the foundation of an academy on the parisian model at st petersburg and the encouragement of the theatre must be counted amongst her untiring efforts to educate russia how the french revolution checked her ardor and turned her love of france into hatred we shall see later this program of work which i am compelled to compress into a few paragraphs fairly entitles catherine when we take its results in conjunction with her extension of her empire to the epithet of the great that she chose men of ability to carry out her will even to assist her in making plans goes without saying but she paid close and industrious attention to all that was done and she fierily resented the obstacles to the complete realization of her scheme i have doubted if the modern spirit can grant peter the title of the great for two reasons first because of features of his character which we must describe as brutal secondly because of the vagueness and casualness of many of his plans and the lack of obstinacy in realizing them catherine was far from brutal her character had defects which we will consider but they are not such as to make us refuse her the homage her work deserves that on the other hand her plans were imperfect inadequate to the vast need often sketchy and not enforced with masculine stubbornness we must admit but she was a great ruler let us complete her work before we regard the personal features that lower her prestige the crimea now part of russia remained in a state of constant disorder and this became at length an open revolt catherine suppressed the rebellion and a few years later turkey was induced to relinquish all claim to the old tartar principality catherine was now supremely eager for a further extension toward the blue waters of the mediterranean the immovable goal of all russian policy she suggested to the austrian emperor with whom she was now on excellent terms that turkey should be dismembered austria should take the nearer provinces a new kingdom of dacia should be founded recognizing the orthodox church and the greek empire should be revived and extended so as to embrace constantinople her grandson constantine was to be the first greek emperor austria accepted the scheme and russian agents were sent to agitate in the slav provinces of turkey in seventeen eighty seven catherine herself made an imposing journey in the south turkey clearly saw the threat to its empire and in seventeen eighty seven it declared war potiemkin catherine's favorite at the time was entrusted with the supreme command and marched south then the ever-ready swede fell upon the flank of russia and catherine who could from st petersburg hear the roar of the swedish guns on the baltic had a momentary fright she called up all her energy and stirred her commanders and in the following year she had peace with sweden and was free to attack turkey in conjunction with the austrians the details do not concern us the war lasted five years and a little more of the coast of the black sea was brought within the russian empire 
it may be added briefly that continued internal trouble in poland of which catherine took as mean an advantage as any led to the second and third partitions of that country poland ceased to exist the once great kingdom ruined by the quarrels and obstinate conservatism of its nobles was divided between russia prussia and austria the vast addition to her territory which catherine obtained from the spoils of poland will not be regarded by the modern mind as a title to glory more credible was the wresting of territory from the turks but her chief merit lies in the reform edicts she counted two hundred eleven of her ukases under that head with which she sought to uplift russia against this we have her personal repute as it is given in many historians there were those at the time who called her the messalina of the north and writers on her still differ in their estimate of her moral personality that she was in the narrow sense of the word flagrantly immoral no one questions we may recall that europe at large was still very far from the standard of these matters which adorns our generation paris under louis fifteen or the directorate or even napoleon london under the georges even rome under the popes of the period would not pass modern scrutiny russia was a little more medieval than the others and catherine inherited a court in which an empress of advanced years and conspicuous piety had given an example of wild debauch to a woman of catherine's views and strong personality there would seem to be no reason for restraint and she observed none we have seen her early lovers and i do not intend to examine the lengthy gallery with any minuteness gregory orloff an indolent and very sensuous adonis enjoyed her extravagant favor until seventeen seventy two his three brothers and he cost her in those few years about nine million dollars in seventeen seventy two she sent orloff on a mission to the turks and during his absence another mere sensualist vasilchikov earned her favor gregory heard it and covered the two thousand miles which separated him from st petersburg with a speed that beat all records he was directed to retire to his provincial estate and from there he bombarded the palace with entreaties catherine hardly attended to imperial business for several months at length she definitely discharged orloff with an annual income of seventy-five thousand dollars a present of ten thousand peasants and the right to use the imperial palaces and horses when he willed vasilchikov made way in seventeen seventy four to the famous Pantyomkin, a different type of man from any of the others he was in his thirty-fifth year and as we saw he had ability her letters to him show the nearest approach to tender feeling that we ever find in catherine except in her relations with her grandchildren and her dogs patiomkin was of an age to take his position philosophically when his two years of intimate relationship were over and he remained her favorite minister from first to last it is calculated that he cost her about twenty-five million dollars after Patiomkin, there was a period of what one is almost tempted to call promiscuity man after man was lodged for a brief period in the luxurious chambers near catherine's room and any handsome young officer felt that promotion lay within his power stories are told of ambitious young men persistently mistaking their rooms and of catherine maternally sending them home for correction no young soldier of athletic build and fair face knew when he would be drafted to the well-known suite and find a preliminary present of fifty thousand dollars in gold in his cabinet for the closer details of his initiation i must refer the reader to olazuski's roman de un imperatrice in seventeen eighty lansko seemed to have taken firmer root but he died in catherine's arms in the same year 
Jermaloff succeeded him, and in 1792, when Catherine was 63 years old, she adopted her last and strangest lover, Plato Zuboff, a handsome youth of 22. On this series of mere ministers to her pleasure, Catherine spent a sum which is estimated at more than $40 million. That was a national scandal and entirely unworthy of her character. It is curious that in other respects Catherine had a great regard for propriety. None dared repeat in her presence the kind of story or verse that would have pleased Peter the Great, and she discharged several officials for loose conduct. She also forbade mixed bathing, though she allowed artists to enter the women's baths. She was sober in eating and drinking. The chief luxury of her plain table was boiled beef with salted cucumbers, and until her later years, when she took a little wine, she generally drank water colored with a little gooseberry juice. She knew well, however, that in other parts of her palace her favorites were enjoying the most luxurious banquets, and she never checked their criminal waste. Her own son, Bobrinsky, whom she seems to have regarded with indifference, continually outran his generous income and contracted heavy debts. She virtually exiled him to the provinces. It was reserved for her lovers to riot as they pleased, that is to say, as far as money was concerned, for she had the strictest guard kept upon their conduct. With all her strength of will and tireless energy, she loved social intercourse of the liveliest description. She would play with children, especially her grandchildren, for hours, and she had not the least affectation of haughtiness. Although she never visited her nobles, she was just as reluctant to receive the ceremonious and tedious visits of foreign sovereigns. To her smiling favorites she responded, as we saw, with an almost criminal generosity. When Potiemkin's niece married, she gave her half a million dollars, though her uncle had already been enriched beyond any man in Russia, and she gave the same sum to the bridegroom to pay his debts. When, on the other hand, she wanted some difficult work done, especially by her commanders, she had a persuasiveness that none could resist scores of times her mingled pleading and driving induced her armies to do what seemed to her generals impossible she had occasional flashes of temper but her quick humor seized upon this defect and helped her to control it this other occasional self she called my cousin and she watched it carefully normally her good nature was remarkable and one could give three anecdotes in illustration of it for every anecdote that refers to her irregularities. She rose at five or six every morning, and would often light the fire herself. One morning, when she had done this, she heard shrieks and curses up the chimney, and realized that a sweep was at work in it. She hastily put out her fire and asked the man's pardon, on another occasion it occurred to her to ask, during a long drive, if the coachman and servants had dined. She learned that they had not, and she held up the carriage while they did so. When she heard that a lady she liked was undergoing a dangerous delivery, she had herself driven to the house, and she put on an apron and assisted the midwife. If her pen became bad, she would or did in one case scribble on and tell her correspondent that she had not courage to trouble a valet to bring a new one on one occasion she went out of her room to find a valet for that purpose she found him playing cards and she took his hand while he ran for a pin but perhaps the best anecdote is that which tells of one of her secretaries whom she overheard saying after she had angrily scolded an ambassador what a pity she loses her temper he was summoned to her room and in an agony of apprehension he fell upon his knees catherine handed him a diamond 
snuff-box and quietly advised him in future to take a pinch when he was tempted to give useful advice to his sovereign this geniality was in her later years somewhat soured the first cause of the change was the french revolution the second was the unfortunate development of her son paul a short consideration of these two points will form a useful introduction to the change which with the nineteenth century comes over the rule of the romanoffs that humanitarian zeal with which catherine sought to reform her country and which she was careful to communicate to the grandson alexander whom she reared for the throne was plainly due to the influence of the french philosophers if like modern europe she learned irreligion from them she also like the modern world learned the elementary lesson of the rights of man she introduced tolerance into russia that she sheltered the jesuits when even the pope sought to extinguish them was not wholly a matter of toleration scoundrels as they were to use her own genial description they helped her to keep poland quiet but she believed in toleration and she believed that the state of the mass of the people was a reproach to any right-minded monarch peter's reforms had had a utilitarian basis catherine's were humanitarian learned from the french humanitarians but the dark development of the revolution turned her zeal for france and democracy into hatred in seventeen ninety one she wrote that if the revolution succeeded it would be as bad for europe as if chinggis khan had come to life again in seventeen ninety three when she heard of the execution of the king she wrote the very name of the french must be exterminated she proposed that all the protestant nations should embrace the greek religion in order to preserve themselves from the irreligious immoral anarchic scoundrelly and diabolical pest the enemy of god and of thrones it alone is apostolic and truly christian we see the new russia already foreshadowed a russia fighting western ideas in the name of sound ideals but catherine took no action beyond controlling the importation of french literature even in that she showed her old personality she read the parisian journal the moniteur herself before she allowed it to circulate one day she found herself described in it as the messalina of the north that's my business she said and she allowed the issue to pass the second source of annoyance was her son paul it seems though the point is disputed that from the first she was called to him a fair indication that he was peter's son and to her grief he grew up into a counterpart in some respects of peter it is said that she one day learned that he asked why his mother had killed his father and occupied the throne he visited frederick at berlin against her wish and he married a german princess the princess of hesse whom she disliked this lady died in seventeen seventy six and he then married another german princess the princess of wurtenberg he was thoroughly german flattered and duped by frederick russia will become a province of prussia when i am dead catherine sighed in seventeen eighty one she sent the pair on a tour of europe the count and countess du nord as they styled themselves had a magnificent reception at paris which made little impression on paul and a fresh grievance awaited them on their return their sons the little grand dukes alexander and constantine had been removed by the tsarina for education and she declined to give them up the prince and his wife had to live apart and paul brooded darkly over every feature of his mother's conduct he had the romanoff taint in a form not unlike that we find in peter three except as regards drink and coarseness he was moody irritable sensitive suspicious and obstinate he quarrelled with every good man and as a result had about him a circle of dissembling adventurers some said that he was epileptic 
others that he took drugs it is said that when he was at vienna an actor refused to play hamlet observing that one hamlet was enough such a man readily accepted the rumor that catherine intended to disinherit him and pass on the crown to his elder son she kept him out of affairs and although he fancied himself a soldier and like peter brooded over dreams of military reform she kept him out of the war he retorted with pungent criticisms of her young lovers and they insolently repaid him have i said something silly zuboff asked one day when paul expressed approval of what he had said it is believed that if catherine had lived six months longer paul would have been excluded from the succession the grand duke alexander his eldest son was now a fine and promising youth of twenty catherine had taken minute pains with his education and even with the choice of a bride for him eleven german princesses were invited to st petersburg and sent away disappointed before the young princess of baden durlach was selected the parents were not consulted everybody expected that alexander would succeed his grandmother indeed it was rumored that the decree was already composed and would be published on january first seventeen ninety seven and on november seventeenth seventeen ninety six catherine died suddenly of apoplexy there seems little doubt that the cynical sensuality of her seventh decade of life destroyed her strong constitution i say cynical not that she was ordinarily cynical but because there seems to be in her later conduct a somewhat cynical defiance of moral and religious traditions this was weakness rather than strength the same weakness which squandered forty million dollars upon lovers when the national treasury had to be replenished by extortion her mind was greater than her character her achievements were greater than both russia the mighty russian people was still chained in the dungeon of medievalism but catherine the german who divested herself of germanism take out the last drop of german blood from my veins she said to her physician the pupil of the french humanitarians impressed the fact upon the romanoffs that they ruled a semi-civilized world End of section fourteen